So I do have to confess, uh, Callie, it's really nice that you do that unless you're in the classroom next door because I smelled the food this morning and I went over that way and I stood in the hallway and I said, oh, I wonder what's on the table. Now, I'm not like Joe. I didn't help myself to anything. I didn't look in the oven, but I went in. I, went, I really did. I went over and I, I enjoyed uh, the uh, casserole smell that I could smell from that hallway. And then I went back and somebody had brought some pastries and things and fruit. Um, so, yes, I ate some kiwi this morning and two pieces of pastry. So uh, we did pretty good. But, yes, so it's enjoyable, but I'm glad the, uh, the young people like it. Um, if you would open your Bibles to uh, to First Samuel, I had uh, two different messages I was working on for Wednesday night, and then we uh, canceled the service. Uh, this one out of First Samuel, another one on uh, the effects of sin out of Ezekiel. Uh, but I I went this direction uh, in First Samuel, and I was like, Lord, how do you tell this story, um, and and sort of set the background for what's going on here? Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to really let the Lord tell the story. I don't like to use the word story; it's the account, but it is a story. It's the true story. Um, but sometimes we use that word story, and people think, "Oh, you're making something up." No, we're not making it up at all. But I'm going to read to you uh, the whole first chapter of First uh, Samuel. It's 28 verses, um, and uh, then we'll have a word of prayer. And I've got five or six different. Uh, simple little thoughts for you, uh, and then we'll see where we go from there, hopefully home or to Carvel for ice cream. Um, so we'll, uh, let me read this to you, uh, and then uh, uh, we'll pray. Chapter 1. Uh, now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jer- Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, an Ephratite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? Uh, Men, there are some things at times we don't say to our wives. That's not one of them that was uh, a real smart comment there. Uh, so Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple uh, of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give, unto the Lord, I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now, I want you to pay attention to something here. Um, You think about, oh, how should I pray? What should I pray? Should I walk? Should I kneel? Should I do this? Should I do that? Do I speak out loud? Well, look at Hannah prayed from her heart. No words came out of her mouth, but we see that God heard her prayer. 
Just a little, little plug for the aspects of prayer, okay? Uh, now Hannah, she spoke in her heart, spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about, after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, uh, because I asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou have weaned him, only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli and said unto him, O my Lord, as, my, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me thy petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. Let's pray. My Father, uh, I of all people recognize how sinful and needy that I am. But Lord, if there's a single good thing that comes out, it's a thanks to you. Uh, Lord, we may feel unworthy, but you have made us worthy. You have placed great value on our soul, and we thank you for that. Uh, Lord, I do ask that you'd help me to take these simple thoughts, convey them properly, and Lord, would you help us to listen uh, as the Spirit of God uh, speaks to our hearts tonight, we'd ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just, uh, I want to give you a few things here. And I, I was speaking to a pastor a few weeks back, and in our conversation, I took a, I took a comment that I heard somebody make, and I, I transferred it over to the Scripture. The person's comment was that there are innumerable facts, innumerable number of facts, but if a fact is not relevant, um, it really can be boring. And I said, you know, there's innumerable scriptural facts, and we can present to you a lot of facts, uh, but are they relative? Are they relevant? And yes, they are. I understand that. But at the same time, you've got to be able to take that and, and say, okay, Lord, I can, I can see this. I can do this. I can handle this. Uh, you can work in me to change this and bring it about. Um, so we're always looking and saying, Lord, the things that I would present here are things that the Lord has stirred me about. And you say, well, then you do these and you do this. And it's just the things you learn, you teach someone else. Um, and we just thank the Lord for how he works. But the first thing I want you to see here. I was going to move these around in a little different order because some of them are about Elkanah, some about Eli, some about Hannah, uh, and then a couple of one or two little comments about Hophni and Phineas. <clears throat> but I want you to look here and see in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship, 
and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Look over real quick at chapter 2 and verse 12. Chapter 2 and verse 12. And it says here, Now the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Okay, you got that? And what I want you to see here is that Elkanah did not let the ungodly behaviors, the behavior of others, keep him from worship and sacrificing properly. And how many of us, you know, we, I, I, I remember hearing this quote, and many people have repeated it, that uh, uh, Gandhi had said, if it wasn't for Christians, I'd be a Christian. Honestly, I think, no, that's not the case, because if the Spirit of God is pressing you to be a Christian, I, I don't care what anybody else is doing. You need to listen to the Spirit of God, because you're going to stand before him on your own, by yourself, and it's not going to be all of these others. And, and I say, what is it that takes us to stop? Do we use an excuse? Well, you know, the person I work with or the people I work with, they're ungodly and they're unsaved. And uh, yeah, that may be the case, but what is it going to take to uh, take you off course Elkanah didn't let the ungodly behaviors keep him, the ungodly behavior of those others, keep him from worshiping and serving properly. We need to keep going. We need to press on. We're not going to do it perfectly every day. As a matter of fact, probably the the most perfect thing about us is our imperfection. There's so many different uh, difficulties that we have. I heard somebody at one time, uh, a pastor, mention that the most consistent thing about me is my inconsistency. Um, but still, let's not stop. Let's just keep going. Maybe, maybe today was a bad day for you, but you know what? Tomorrow could be a little better. Maybe you had a struggle during the day today, and you, you saw some difficult things around you, but you know what? Tomorrow can be a little different. You, you keep going on and keep going on. We hear the accounts of uh, the Christian life is not, um, it's not uh, 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 evaluated in days or weeks or months. No, it's evaluated, evaluated in decades. Uh, let's look at the whole of a man's life. I heard a, a message that somebody had preached at a funeral one time, and it talked about praise God for the 85%. Yeah, 15% of his life was difficult, but 85% of it was pretty good. And, you know, we look at things like that. But what does it take you? Do you look around at other people and think, oh, I'm not going to bother with this, uh, uh, this Christian thing, that's not for me? No, those are just a pile of excuses that we use. We have to be like Elkanah and not let the ungodly behavior. Those, we, you know, if you've read anything in this area, you can read about, uh, about these two young men and how vile they were and how wicked they were. And let's still do right. Let's still do right. Let's still keep, keep our eyes on God. Now, God forbid that the, the, the pastor who stands in our pulpit were ever to fall. There's a, there's a, a comment in or a scripture verse that talks about when a standard bearer falleth. Um, but are, what's it going to do to your life when somebody around you falls? How difficult is it going to be for you? No, what it needs to be is, yes, you're looking at the man. You're looking at the person who's up here. And, and I hold our pastor to a high standard, and, and he, he meets those standards. He lives, he lives a right life. But at the same time, if something were to happen, he's a man. And if, if some, some difficulty were to take place, well, then what do we do? We're looking right beyond him, and we're looking at the cross of Christ, and we're looking at Christ himself. So we have to be a people who determine that the un- ungodly behavior of others around us is not going to stop us from serving God the best way we can. In, in difficulty, yes. In hard times, yes. And, and maybe not to the best of our ability, but, you know, when I get to the end of the day and when you get to the end of the day and you look back and think, Lord, this was, this was a measure of a difficult day, you just, maybe it was the best you could do that day. And you keep on going and be thankful that it's a work that God is doing. It's a work that he's doing in us because there's not a good thing that dwelleth in my flesh. 
So the first thing here I want you to see was Elkanah didn't let the ungodly behavior of others keep him from worship and sacrificing properly. And we need to have that same mindset. We're in this for the long term. We're not going to be, you know, the scripture says to woe unto them who offend one of these little ones. That, uh, that idea of offending is causing them to stumble in their Christian life. Look, if you stumble in your Christian life, just get back up and pick up where you left off. Or if somebody does something that causes you to stumble, just look, you get up and you keep moving forward and you keep carrying on and you get down the road some and you look back and think, boy, I'm glad I didn't quit. I'm glad I didn't stop. I'm glad we kept on going. We have to be determined. We have to be determined, and I'm not thinking that we do this all in the strength of Jim or, or anyone else. No, it's in the strength of the Lord that he allows us to keep going on through difficult circumstances, through difficult times, and we'll see that. The second thing I want you to see here, look at First Samuel chapter 1 again and verse uh, 14. Verse 14, it says, And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And what I want you to see here, I wonder if any of us have done this. I said Eli jumped to an improper conclusion, basing his comments to her on what he saw. You ever not had the whole picture and, and you, you make a judgment call on something only to find out how silly that was down the road? I can remember <clears throat> years ago when I first got saved, and some of you have heard this before. When I first got saved, have you ever heard of the Trez Corporation? They own, at that time, they own 13 McDonald's restaurants in this area. They have a big distribution center in Stratford. They might be up to 30 McDonald's restaurants at this point. And I heard this man's name, Christian Trez, and right away I thought, ah, some rich guy. I wasn't saved at the time, or maybe I had just gotten saved, and I just thought, ah, some rich guy, you know, he owns all these McDonald's. Never mind one McDonald's, he owns 13 McDonald's. Well, it wound up, we were doing some work for, the, uh, for Hoffman Fuel, and, and I wind up at his house. And I meet this gentleman, and we're talking, and he's friendly, and I'm just like, okay. So we put in the heating system. At the end of the day, I have to go upstairs. I have to bleed the radiators and do some other work. And as I walk up the stairs, I, I hear a Christian radio station playing in the, in the kitchen. Well, that catches my attention. So I'm working in these different areas, going room to room, bleeding radiators, and everywhere I look, there's a Bible. There's Bibles over here. There's a Bible near a chair where I would think his chair. Guys, you have your chair, right? You know, I have my chair at home, and it's amazing sometimes when people sit in my chair. It's just, but anyway. So I'm, I, I say to him after, I said, hey, I, he came over and we were talking. I said, I, I hear a Christian radio station playing, and I see Bibles all over your house. He goes, oh, yes, I got saved. Like at that point, it might have been 60 years ago. He said, yeah, I got saved 60 years ago. He said, and I, I tell my friends, um, uh, I, and I witness to my friends and try and get them saved. And he said, you know what we do? Now, he wasn't a church like ours, but they're preaching the Bible and people need to get saved. And he said, what we do is I've got my friends together. And friends, usually you're friends with people of those, you know, he's got means. And, and he said to me, and we put together our money and we go around and we find churches that are struggling. And we find new congregations that, that need a help. And we build their buildings for them and we fund them so they can focus on the gospel and they don't have to think about the financial side. And I walked away from there that day going, oh, Lord, thank you for teaching me this lesson early on. 
learning that it's not, you know, that, that opinion that Eli jumped to was improper just because he, he saw something or he heard something and he jumped to a conclusion and he spoke about that and, boy, we need to be careful about forming sometimes our opinions. We need to let them have some time. Just like somebody the scripture says, not a novice lest being lifted up, we get into the snare of the devil. No, there's, there's opportunity. We have to watch and we have to give people the benefit of the doubt. We have to be, there's a scripture verse that talks about love thinketh no evil. Well, when something's going on, don't, don't think evil about it. Wait and let it play out and see how it works out and see what takes place. But let's not jump to improper conclusions based on just a little bit of information we have. Sometimes you may have to take something and tuck it away and put it away for another time and just you ponder it. And not, not that you have to think on it often, but you've taken that information and you put it aside just so you can decide what's going on down the road. Oh, here's a good one. I hope my wife is home uh, live streaming. When my wife first, um, I, she was, my daughter was uh, sick this evening. She was helping with the grandchild. When my wife first saw me and she said to her sister, where's Pete? And they said, uh, Pete left with Jim. How'd they leave? Who's that, who's that jerk with Pete? That was me. <laughs> That's what she thought. Now, wait a minute. You know, right? She formed an opinion right away because she thought, hey, if anybody's friends with Peter, you know, there's something wrong with him, you know? But uh, I praise the Lord. And uh, listen, we have, a, we have a wonderful marriage and I love her dearly. Uh, but she jumped to an improper conclusion and it's taken me 43 years to prove otherwise, you know? But uh, we thank the Lord. So we want to be careful. But I, I look here and I see that uh, Elkanah led his family and he brought them. He didn't let other people impact his decisions to serve God. Eli jumped to an improper conclusion and based his comments only on what he saw. You ever, and don't answer. Don't raise your hands. But have you ever done that? Just that wrong conclusion about something and you're like, oh, you know, I love to learn lessons quietly and, and then come up here and tell you, right? Um, but quietly and, and take those things to heart. Things that God is showing you and things that God is teaching you, just let them become part of who you are and, and what you do. In uh, the next one here, 1 Samuel 18, um, I want you to see here, 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 18. <clears throat> and it says, uh, and she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. Now watch this. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. No more. And what I said here is Hannah left the prayer time either content with her lot or assured that God would act on her request. Now, you don't know what I just found out. See, just a moment ago, I mentioned, Joanne, about what you thought about me when... Um, oh, you heard? Oh, you're live streaming on your phone. But I just saw my wife come walking in, and I'm like, oh, I was safe. I don't have to worry about it. She didn't hear a word, you know, but, yeah, I guess she did. But Hannah, Hannah left that prayer time either content with the state that she wasn't going to have children or content that, you know, confident that God was going to answer her prayer. Now, think about this. Uh, some of you, you've all heard this name, or many of you have heard the name Sister Gail. Um, some of you knew her, some of you didn't. Gail's uh, husband uh, had left many years ago, and it was, I believe his name's Ron, and he was living in Amsterdam. And Sister Gail, a faithful, faithful soul winner, witness, I mean, you, if you met her, you know who she was. And people would come here and say, I was on the bus, and this lady started talking to me, and we'd be all like, that's Sister Gail, uh, uh, Gail Grant. So at one point, I went to Gail, and, uh, and we were talking about something, and I said to her, um, 
what about your husband's salvation? She was always praying for him. And she said to me one day, she goes, it's done. I said, what do you mean? Did he get saved? And she's like, no. God told me it's done. It's taken care of. Now, her husband did wind up getting saved, but she had prayed to the point where God said to her, it's all set. He had given her confidence that Ron was going to be saved. That, you ever have that kind of thing? In, in, I, when, uh, when my son was, um, he had to be 18 when he joined the Marine Corps. I mentioned that this morning. Um, he joined in June, right? His, when's his birthday, Joanne? March. Okay, so he, he joined the Marine Corps when he turned 18. And right after that was September 11th, 2001. So he had joined the Marine Corps a few months before that. On his, I believe it was his 19th birthday, Uncle Sam gave him a trip to Kuwait. Uh, he arrived in Kuwait on his birthday. Um, that was a difficult spot. I can remember sitting in my office and praying and saying, Lord, I can't, I can't bear up under the pressure of wondering about him on a daily basis. And after about two or three days of, of praying, the Lord just gave me such a peace and comfort about it. Honestly, I did not pray for his safety the rest of the time he was there. You prayed for other things. Why? Because the Lord had told me everything was going to be okay. Have you ever got to that spot where you leave that prayer time like, like Hannah did and you're content in the difficult spot or you know that God is going to answer in the way that you would like? God answers always in the right way and in a good way. But sometimes it's just that they mesh. The right way and the good way for us is exactly what we want, but not always. But it's always good. So she left that prayer time content with her lot or assured that God would act on his request. 1 Samuel 121. 1 Samuel 121. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. Did you, know, you notice here what it says, and all his house? What I want you to see here is that Elkanah brought all his house with him to the sacrifice. Dad, it's not enough. Uh, it's not enough just for uh, you to take care of things or you to look about. No, you need to be the one who's leading the way in all the different aspects of life. Now, my wife is a tremendous partner, and I, I've talked before about different times where things have been going on, and I need her to encourage me, or I can be an encouragement to them, but you, she's not, I don't wait for my wife to tell me it's time to get up on Sunday morning and head to church. Now, we need to be determined, men, that we're going to lead the way. We're not going to do it perfectly. We're not going to do it, 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 it always the right way. I've told my sons many times, I said, listen, you look at the things that you saw in your dad that you believe are good, and you copy those, and don't get mad about the things where I failed Take those as lessons that you can learn and don't repeat those same mistakes in the lives of your children or with your families or in your marriage or whatever. But don't be the one. You, look, at, I don't want Joanne looking to me and saying, are we going to church today? Or, or, or you know, are we going to live right? Are we going to do this? Are we going to behave in this way? No, we're gonna, we're, we've got to be the one who's leading the way. That doesn't mean we're, we're mean-spirited. That doesn't mean we're a bully about things. No, we lead and guide. If you, have to, if you have to tell your family that you're the head of the house and you're in charge, you're not, in head, you're not the head of the house and you're not in charge. Uh, if you have to use uh, anger or bitterness or, or malice or any of those other things. But Elkanah brought all his house. He led them. He brought them along. 
along with him. He guided them along. He prepared for them. He gave to them the sacrifice and different things they would need, and he got those things ready. He had them prepared for them. He brought all his house with him to the sacrifice, and each one of us needs to have in our life the men the, the consistency and the stability that, yeah, even, even when we make mistakes and it's not going to be perfect, we're still going to keep pushing in the right direction. We're still going to get up the next morning. Uh, I remember Joanne, you, she had told me one time, I didn't think about it for a long, long time, but when I quit the uh, working for a guy in Bridgeport and opened the plumbing business, it never occurred to me to ask Joanne in certain aspects. And I was preparing a message one time, and I went to her and I said, Joanne, uh, this was 11 years later, and I said to her, um, when I came home that day and, and told you I was quitting the, my job and I was going to open a plumbing business, what did you think? And she said, well, I knew how you had worked for these past 11 years. I wasn't worried about it. And she said, when you got up on, on Monday morning and you were out of the house at 7 o'clock and off to work, she said, I knew everything was going to be okay. But what if I just laid there? What if I laid there in bed and just decided, hey, I've worked for myself now. I could stay home all week, you know? No, we want to, in, in all aspects of life, we need to be pushing forward. We need to be the ones who are encouraging our family, encouraging them to come along, follow along with me, and guide and direct them. And that's what we see. So Elkanah, what did he do? He didn't let the ungodly behavior of others keep him from worshiping and sacrificing properly. Eli jumped to an improper conclusion, basing in comments on, on only what he saw in that short period of time. Uh, Hannah left the prayer time uh, content with her lot or assured that God would act on her request. Uh, Elkanah brought all his house with him to the sacrifice. Look at 1 Samuel 1.23. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Now think about this. We have, uh, I think right now, I think I can think of uh, the Avilas, the Maguires having uh, babies coming up, and um, um, uh, Eric and Ferrer, they've got the little one, and there's a lot of others out here. But what about this, Brother Andrew? And your wife comes home and says, the Lord said to me to send this baby off to Bible college. He's going to go live in, in California, and there's going to be a family out there on campus that's going to raise that baby no? Any chance? No, no chance you'll do that, but I'm just saying, you know. But you think about it. Elkanah, listen, he allowed God to move in the heart and life of his family and gave them freedom to respond individually to God. When, when she promised God that this child was going to be lent to the Lord, Elkanah said, okay, I'm, I'm fine with that. that, that was a, that's, to me, that's a, an extremely interesting thing. Uh, Brother Barr, I, I sort of made a joke with you a while back when Carson preached last Sunday night. I believe it was last Sunday night. I went to Brother Vara afterwards and I said, Brother Vara, Carson is short term in your business. I said, God's not going to let this young man just sit on the sideline and not be used behind a pulpit and thing. And, and look, you faithfully serve here as long as God keeps you here. And you work hard for your dad as long as God keeps you there. But I looked at that and I thought, that's what I love about it. Brother Mike said to me, He's only here for a little bit. It's wherever God wants him to be. That's a dad allowing the Spirit of God to work in the lives of his children and say, wherever God brings you, that's where you go. And that's what I like here. Elkanah allowed God to move in the heart of his family, and then he gave them the freedom to respond properly. How many times do we say, oh, no, 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 you can't do that? 
If you do that, you're not going to make any money. Look, if God can care, I'd rather, I'd rather God was caring for them in the place that he wants that, those children to be than, you know, working for me and being miserable the whole time or anything like that. No, we don't want to be the hindrance to what God's doing in our, our children's life. We had one of our sons at one time told us that he was going to be a rock and roll star or a preacher. I thought, well, that's a pretty good, you know, how do you get to those two different spots? And I'm not sure that in, in the fully that we would have said okay to the one side, you know. Um, but uh, that's the way things are. But look, at, we, want to, we want to allow our children to have freedom in serving God as he sees fit. Andrew, what if, what if you're, when you're, you, you, know, you want to go off to school and your parents said, no, 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 that's, we're in Pennsylvania and you're going to go to California. No, that won't work for us. You need to go to school right here in Pennsylvania. As a matter of fact, there's a nice liberal arts college right down the street. You know, no, we, we, that's not the type of behavior that we want to have to our children and those around us. Because look, at, you, might, you might have a coworker that, that is very integral in your business or, or something along that line and God calls them to do something and what do we do? Oh, we try and talk them out of it. You know, we, you've got a family that you have to care for. You have all of these responsibilities and, and we squash the, the impulse or the movement of the Holy Spirit of God in those lives around us. No, we need to be the one who encourages them and builds them up and helps them to do those things and we see that here. With Elkanah, he allowed God to move in, his, in the, in the uh, heart of his wife as she turned over that child to Eli to be raised there. And look at, you look at the, read the account of 1 Samuel and all the things that God used uh, Samuel for. And we see what a tremendous blessing uh, that was. So we see Elkanah didn't let the ungodly behavior of others keep him from serving and worshiping properly. Eli with his improper conclusion, Hannah with her contentment in her prayer time, uh, Elkanah with his uh, uh, leading his family and leading his whole house and guiding them along, Elkanah allowing God to move in the heart and life of his family and giving them freedom to respond to God uh, uh, individually. And then here in 1 Samuel 128, the last one, 1 Samuel 128, Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord, as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. And what I saw here was that Hannah kept her word. Hannah kept her word. We need to be a people who keep our word. Until recently, I, I would say to people, Brother Mike, you, I, I, being in business, I, others may have small businesses like we did. And I would shake people's hand, and that was the end of the story. I didn't have to write up contracts. I didn't write up all of these different things. Uh, Brother Vara, uh, you can actually write contracts on a little thing called a computer. Um, we, I tease him about that because he does his handwriting, you know, but it's, it's good. But uh, I used to just be able to shake someone's hand, say, here's what we're going to do, and that was the end of the story. Now, you can't do that anymore. I guess you could in the right circumstances, uh, but it's very few and far in between. You need to be a, per, a people who keep your word. If you say you're going to do something, I remember I had somebody who said to me, I don't remember the exact details. I'm going to say it was Saturday at 12 o'clock. It wasn't Saturday at 12, but for this illustration. So they're going to come to my house Saturday at 12 o'clock. Saturday at 12 o'clock comes. They told me they're going to be at my house Saturday at 12. They don't show up. One o'clock, they're not there. Two o'clock, they're not there. I don't see them all day Sunday on Monday. I say, hey, what happened? You told me that you were going to be at my house Saturday at 12 o'clock. And they said to me, well, I didn't say I promise. I said, what do you mean? And he said to me, well, if I say to you that I'm going to do something, but I don't say I promise, it doesn't mean a thing. And I thought, oh, well, you work for me, and I'm going to pay you on Thursday, but I ain't promising anything. You know? 
we need to be a people. We need to be a people who keep our word to the best that we can. Listen, there are times, there are times that we stumble and, and stuff. I was taking a nap this afternoon, trying. You know what it's like to take a nap in your chair, in your chair, and your granddaughter walks in from swimming and walks over to you and puts her finger down under your glasses and pulls your eye open to see if you're awake. <laughs> yeah, Joanne, that was Charlie, and she just said, I saw your eyes move, I knew you were awake, but I wasn't really, I was trying to sleep, I heard the noise, but... Look, we need, to keep our, we need to keep our promises. We need to be a people who keep our word. What does that got to do with it? Well, all of a sudden I realized it was 545. Oh, church starts in 15 minutes. I text Andrew and I said, I'm on my way. And he was like, oh, as long as you get here by 620, oh, whatever. But, you know, but you, look, at, keep your word. We need to be a people who keep their word, that we can be trusted, that we can be counted on, that we can do those things that we said we're going to do, and, and others can rely on our word. These uh, five or six different simple little thoughts here, uh, maybe you take those and you tuck them away and you say, you know, I can, I can work on these. The Lord can use these in me. The examples that we have from Scripture, I'm always looking to take something and we make it relevant to us. Um, I've got, honestly, here in this book, I've got pages and pages and pages of little notes that I jot down to myself about character things that we as the children of God should have. Let's pray. My Father, I do ask that you would take in simplicity these uh, thoughts on Hannah and Elkanah and uh, Eli and, uh, Lord, they would become a part of our character, a part of our day-to-day treatment of others, uh, how we keep our word, how we interact with our family and those around us, husbands and wives guiding one another, uh, uh, parents and children being an encouragement. But, my Father, we need you. We need you to do a work in us, uh, Lord, because there's not a one of us. We know. We, each one of us knows uh, what we're like and how we are. But when there's anything that's good, it's because of a work of God that's going on inside of us, something that you're doing, and you receive the glory and honor for it. Help us to be a thankful people, we'd ask in Jesus' name. Amen.